their webheads. Welcome to issue three of the Amazing Spider webcast, where we're going through every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, panel by panel, punch by punch, web by web, strand of web by... Okay. Uh, we've got a very special issue today, because we have the premiere of a certain character that you may know as Dr. Otto Octavius, a.k.a. Dr. Fatso Bullcut, a.k.a. Dr. Octopus, one of Spider-Man's greatest nemeses. Uh, I would like to recommend, I think anyone could jump in and read it, maybe not, but The Superior Spider-Man. It's a very soap opera premise where Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus do a body swap. However, it's great. I mean, basically, here's the thing. Dan Slott is writing Amazing Spider-Man lately, and he is awesome. He has to deal with the craziest premises ever, and he does a great job. This included. So issue three opens with a bunch of (laughs) dumb thugs robbing an abandoned warehouse, or a lonely warehouse, I should say. It's not abandoned, it's just lonely. Um, Maybe under, you know, hung out with. And they're rolling a big safe out of a warehouse. So it's like, it couldn't be more obvious, like, what are you guys doing? Like, you know, sometimes I used to see in my neighborhood a lot, this thing that I never understood until I stopped being dumb, which is like a guy would be riding a bike, and then he would have a bike next to him that he just had an arm on, and there was no one on it, but the bike was also on its wheels rolling next to him. He basically had two bikes, and he was riding the one, holding the other one, so it was moving. It took me a long time to figure out, oh, he's stealing a bike with a bike. Uh, I saw a cop actually pull a guy over who was doing that, which I was like, good for you, man. That is fishy behavior, right? Spider-Man busts up the thugs, and he's lamenting like, geez, well, I've been Spider-Man for like four days. No one's tough enough to beat me. It's boring. Cut to Atomic Research Center, where we're introduced to Dr. Octopus. Um, Boy, uh, he's in, like, white pajamas. He, Dr. Octopus has had and retains through almost all of spider history. I would like to, we'll keep looking for it. I don't know if he's ever had a good haircut. He pretty much has a bowl cut all the time. He looks like he almost has a bowl cut and then they lift the hair straight up and shave his head underneath or something. It is the craziest, worst hair. He look, would look so much better bald than like this. Uh, he's a real hog body. Just He's just very... He's got a toad face. Everything about him is like, good God. So he puts on these mechanical arms, right, that allow him to do these experiments that other people can't do, and he manipulates them with these dials on the front and shit. And, uh, he, what? Okay. I had a note here. I'm sorry. But he's basically working with radioactive shit. And then, (laughs) uh, but nothing is ever perfect. Not even the projects of Dr. Octopus. And as the unsuspecting atomic genius conducts his experiment, guy, look, the radiation meter has gone wacky. Something is wrong. There's going to be a blow up. Sound the alarm which is basically just shorthand for, or longhand, I guess, for, they should have just said science explosion. There's a science explosion coming. 
doesn't really matter what's happening, right? What am I, a nuclear physicist? I would be like, well, with the chemicals he's working with, I would never expect an explosion. Dr. Octopus wakes up in the hospital, and basically his arms are fused to him, and he can just control them with his uh, mind, right? And uh, also his brain was damaged and made him really bitter about, I don't know what. But uh, the point is, in the Marvel Universe, radiation does a lot of shit. Like, radiation uh, gives Spider-Man his powers, gives Daredevil his powers, also makes him blind. The Hulk gets his powers, and Dr. Octopus gets his powers, and also he gets insanity. Radiation is a, a busy force in the Marvel Universe. So we roll on. Peter Parker is screwing around. He's, uh, I don't even know what he's really doing, but he's, you know, he's fucking around and uh, runs into Dr. Octopus. He's like peeking in the window when Dr. Octopus says the phrase that pays, silence. Nobody is to speak when Dr. Octopus speaks. Ding, 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 ding. We need like some kind of a, a bell that rings whenever someone says silence, right? So basically, Dr. Octopus has taken over the lab where he used to work to do science i guess he took this over to do science now i guess it's evil science um and they want to stop him but they're like well we can't he's got these fucking mechano arms what can we do against that uh but you know who could do something is a friendly neighborhood spider-man who comes swinging through the window and then says hold it doc how about picking on someone who can fight you back spider-man well i sure ain't albert schweitzer now I am prepared to offer $10,000 to anyone who can just tell me what Albert Schweitzer is. What kind of reference is that? That is the crazy, I guess it's in a way, if this is a joke, because it's like Peter Parker's a nerd, so he would know. I had to look up Albert Schweitzer is like a Nobel Peace Prize winning philosopher. He's also a doctor and like was involved in music somehow. Albert Schweitzer, that was the best... That reeks of, uh, they had, you know, I don't know, JFK in there, then he got shot that day or something like that. I mean, that just is like, what a weird, what a weird fucking reference to put in there. Albert Schweitzer. Um, so he's not Albert Schweitzer, to which maybe that was like how he throws off his enemies. He's like, what, Albert Schweitzer? I don't, and then he beats him up. Uh, Dr. Octopus easily tangles up Spider-Man. He tangles him up with his forearms. He bitch slaps him. I wish there was some other way to describe that, but there's not. He bitch slaps him and just throws him out the window. And Spider-Man gets all sad and defeated. He's like, geez, maybe I'll never defeat anybody. Um, so then, you know, Dr. Octopus takes over the facility, kicks everyone else out, and he's like, now I'll, now I'll be sure that I can... Uh, do all this crazy stuff. All the pipes are exploding. It's not safe to stay here. Machines are running out of control. Who knows what Dr. Octopus is doing in that lab? He's completely in control. So there's a guy pacing around with a cigar. What are we going to do? How are we going to stop him? Peter Parker is lamenting, you know, oh, geez, I'm a loser. And he, <laughs> he goes to school. Uh, and the return of the Midtown High Jerk Squadron. Good news, everybody. Uh, hello, Petey. Say, what's with him? He didn't answer. Him? 
He's down in the dumps. Looks like he lost his favorite test tube. What a bunch of assholes. Uh, but for some reason, the human torch comes to speak to the school, right? And uh, he's talking to him. He does a little flame demonstration, and he says, Now for a parting thought. Stick to your schoolwork and do your best in your studies. Don't be discouraged if sometimes it seems tough. The important thing is never give up. Remember that. Never give up. And Peter Parker's like, my God, you're right. He's speaking directly to me. By golly, he's right. And so the torch finishes talking, and he's signing autographs for for girls. And Peter Parker comes up behind him, and he's like, I want to thank you. I'll never forget what you said. It meant a lot to me. And the human torch is like, huh? Oh, yeah, sure. Glad you enjoyed it, fella. And is clearly like, get the fuck out of here. I'm trying to get some high school trim over here with my brilliant words and ability to burn things horribly. Uh, Normally, the amount of fire that's involved with the human torch, a sign of a serial killer, but I guess for this, it's like a uh, uh, lady killer. Uh, We get to the next page. We've got an ad for our same coin again. Reward $9,985.50. Still looking for that fucking coin, huh? Spider-Man infiltrates the facility, finds Dr. Octopus, and uh, but before he fights him again, he decides to whip up a little something of his own. In the sign that says chemical laboratory on the door, it's like, oh, here's the chemical laboratory, so now you know. Probably most often referred to as a chemistry lab, right? Chemical laboratory, chemistry lab... But, you know, what's the difference? Uh, so then they fight again. However, he, Spider-Man, hits Dr. Octopus's arms with this concoction he made, which sticks two of them together. So they're basically welded together. And uh, he's still tough to beat, but then he, Spider-Man, webs Dr. Octopus's glasses. Now, Dr. Octopus is wearing, like, Ray Charles's glasses for some reason, I guess maybe that's part of his atomic getup or whatever. But uh, this is a classic Spider-Man move when he's fight. It seems like every time he fights Dr. Octopus, he webs his goddamn glasses. He's just like, oh, my glasses! And you would think as a, a fellow nerd, Peter Parker would be a little, like, sympathetic to, God, it's real fucking annoying when someone webs your glasses, huh? But uh, there you go. That blasted web, it's spread out over my glasses. I can't see. I can't get it off. Like my Dr. Octopus voice. I can't see. I can't get it off. Uh, Spider-Man punches Dr. Octopus in the face, defeats him, which is, uh, you know, there you go. Leaves him webbed up for the military to find. And uh, that's basically the end of the story there. Oh, he does run into the Human Torch. And he's like, uh, hey, buddy, thanks. You helped me out. And he's like, okay, whatever. And then uh, one one final shot from the uh, stupid asshole Midtown High class. Now there's my idea of a hero, the Human Torch, and a guy like Spider-Man, too. Why don't you watch and see what a real man is like, bookworm? And then Peter Parker says, Someday I'll tell you why, you loudmouth, and I'm sure going to enjoy it. Yes, sir, it's going to be a real pleasure, which is our, our next evidence of a possible... Uh, horrible, violent act in the making. Now, because I've got the, uh, the scans here, I have the letters column that appeared in this issue of Spider-Man. Now, I suspect 
foul play here. I suspect these are planted letters, but uh, let's see. Dear Stan and Steve, so that's Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. The Amazing Spider-Man number one was quite good as first issues go, and in comparison to other first issues edited by you two, it was great. <laughs> That's a real, I mean, if this is a planted letter, I the second one makes me suspect these are planted. However, this one, I was like, geez, they kind of started off with a real backhanded dickhead. Con- it sounded so much like some people you run into at Comic-Cons that I was like, maybe it is real. <laughs> uh, in the Spider-Man... You have a hero that reaches out to the hearts of readers. His financial state, his social life, and his acceptance as a superhero are all things that make this guy appealing. Yes, appealing. His appeal is gained more through pity than admiration of him. And oh, how I hate that J. Jonah Jameson. I can't really say that I know a fictional character that I've hated so much. Of course, being as I hate him, I have to put in a good word for him. Like, how can the reading public believe what this guy writes? I can understand how a few or even a majority might have sided with him after his first editorial, and it's understandable as each new masterpiece on his part came off the press that his following might increase. But when Spider-Man saves the bum's son, and then he turns around and claims that Spider-Man is a headline grabber? Come on! I say that this J. Jonah Jameson guy is the headline grabber. Oh, good one. The second story was the better of the two, and this is understandably so when you figure that the FF were contained therein. I think that Ditko did an exceptionally fine job on the four. I also think that in this story, Mr. Fantastic played a far larger role than he's ever done. Usually he is confined to controlling the thing in the torch and telling the others what to do. Question. How was the Spider-Man able to rip the door off the helicopter... Uh, the door of the helicopter off the hinges? Or do spiders normally have this ability? (laughs) See, now I feel like an extra dick because I'm like, I was commenting on him ripping the door off the helicopter and was like, oh, shit. But uh, now this guy's like, how was he able to do that? Or spider... Can you imagine living in a... Obviously, you know... This is why comic readers are dickheads. Dickhead, obviously, you know that spiders can't rip the goddamn door off a helicopter... Can you imagine living in a world where spiders have the strength to rip the door off a helicopter? That would be crazy. If a spider wanted to come in your apartment, it could just tear the fucking front door off the hinges. Um, I also like the end of the story, the second story, where the four are pondering over the future of the Spider-Man. The cover of this issue is exceptionally well done in comparison with other covers done by you guys. The costume of Spider-Man is quite good looking and it's second only to thor as costumes go thanks for your time and your fine publication that's tom jones from aberdeen maryland uh answer you're welcome tom thomas and regarding your question remember a spider is far stronger than a human being in proportion to his size inasmuch as peter parker has the relative strength of a spider and the size of a human well just imagine which basically is like fuck off how about i have an idea how would he be able to rip off the door of a helicopter because fuck off dear editor i just finished reading the first issue of your wonderful magazine i thought that it was very good i especially like the way the spider-man spins his webs this is quite an original idea see this one sounds fake right well it's very original one question though why doesn't the spider-man appear monthly instead of bi-monthly also it's like let's do some business uh, maybe he will, Jerry, if enough fans feel the same way you do. So there you go. That was kind of their, like, fuck you. Dear Stan and Steve, 
At last, you have put out a single comic book devoted to one superhero. Spider-Man sure deserves it. The cover was exceptionally well done. The title, The Amazing Spider-Man, on the cover should stay as it is. Of the two titles inside, the one used in the chameleon story was better. The plot of the first story... Okay, there's a lot of critique. Uh, let's go to the next letter. Dear Dan and Steve, here are some suggestions for Spider-Man. I like that, um, you know, like, this is an internet thing, right? Everyone, everyone knows how to fix every movie. Everyone knows how to fix every book. But apparently this was alive and well long, long ago. Uh, this is, by the way, issue fucking three of The Amazing Spider-Man, right? Fourth time he's appeared in comic form, and uh, it's bi-monthly. So basically he's been around, I don't know, between a year and half a year. And already it's like, here are some suggestions for Spider-Man. Have him battle common criminals. Make him more like a detective than a lifeless mannequin who scares away alien invaders. Have pictorial previews of forthcoming issues. Have a letter column in the first issues with comments on the Spider-Man origin in Amazing Fantasy 15. How are they supposed to do that? Have Steve Ditko do all the art and Stan Lee the writing. Have the type of spectacular covers you had in the 40s, keeping Spider-Man the main figure. In closing, I would like to say that the Spider-Man could be the best mag on the market, and you have everyone's hopes to be just that. Uh, Bill Ryan from Ohio. Thanks for your advice, Bill, although we could mention some competitors who probably don't share your hopes. Um, I mean, I first thought these were fake, because I was like, how could they have letters already? But now I'm like, oh, I don't know. Ooh, this one's directly to Spider-Man. Uh, I feel sorry for you, buddy. It was pretty mean of the Fantastic Four to desert you, but I think they will let you in if you tell them about your problems and beat the rocks out of Thing's head. I'm sure Johnny Storm is on your side. I'm going to write to Fantastic Four as soon as possible. <laughs> I like that. I like that somebody was just like, I'll tell them how it is. Um, there you go. That's some of that's just just so you know, some of the kind of fucking mail they were getting back. I mean, Jesus Christ, this is like history. It would be really interesting to have. Um, I would be really fascinated. Like, let's say, you know, you wrote in a letter to it. I myself wrote a snarky comic book letter at once as a youth. Uh, I'll tell you the story. There's this magazine called Wizard, the comics magazine. Now. This comic magazine used to be great because this was before that you could get online, right, and just look up comic book information. So it was like all comics all the time. And over time, uh, the magazine, you know, is like around the time the first Spider-Man and X-Men movies were coming out, they were doing a lot of that. They were devoting a lot of space to toys instead of comics, like action figures and statues and shit. And they used to do a lot more interviews with creators and also they would, you know, do character profiles and all this different great stuff. And a lot of like top 100 lists and stuff, which by the way, one time, so they would do these top 100 lists and, or, you know, they would do like the best of the years, which was always a great thing. Cause then you were like, okay, now I know what to look for at the comic store. So there's this series called Preacher. Great series. Uh, I don't even want to talk about what it's about. Just go read it. Okay. Um, every time I've tried to describe it, it sounds horrible and it's not, it's great. So here's the thing. Uh, Preacher was like nine volumes of trade paperbacks, right? I think it's like 66 issues, something like that. And it's got this big ending 
And on the ballot from Wizard Magazine for like the best of the year, it was like best moment. And in one sentence, it spoiled the entire ending of this series that I'd been reading like in real time. Now, the issue 66 had been published, but I didn't, there was no comic store in town at that time. So I was getting the comics in trade paperback form from, you know, somewhere an hour away or whatever. So Wizard fucked me that time. But I'll forgive them because they had, um, they also would put out great stuff and they would put out these poster issues, which would be like over a hundred posters. And all the posters were these great comic book posters at uh, my dad's house. I covered an entire wall in comic book posters and it was the best thing ever. And you just look at it. There are a lot of Wolverines. The posters were also double-sided. So that was like a classic comic book cheat, you know, where it's like, um, okay, well, we do give you 100 technically, but you can only display 50 at a time. Also, they wouldn't do a good job of putting something stupid on the one side and something great on the other side. You'd have like two great ones, and then you'd have, you know, there was a poster that had two different versions of Vampirella, which actually was fine because she was very attractive, even in uh, drawing form, which I was okay with that. That's a terrible example. Anywho, <clears throat> Wizard Magazine uh, also published letters. And you can imagine being a magazine about nerdy shit. If this is the kind of letter that people are writing to the comics, what kind of letter are they writing to the magazine about comics? And something that Wizard did for a while and that comics have done through history is, you know, they'll do multiple covers. So, like, issue number two would often be, uh, there'd be two covers, right? Because they're like, oh, it's fun, it's issue number two. Or there'd be a bunch of variant covers. There'd be covers that, you know, an entire box of comics of this one issue, there'd be a limited number of the variant expensive cover. And so... They were complaining about that, right? They, or they were complaining about an X-Men DVD that was released in, you know, a special format and it had other features and shit like that. And so Wizard Magazine started also releasing issues with, like, multiple variant covers, which is weird because that's a little bit like, uh, you know, People Magazine having two covers and being like, now it's valuable, buy it. But this was during the comics boom, when everyone was like, oh my god, comics are worth so much money and they're going to keep being... Comics are basically the best investment ever. Spoiler alert, no, they're not. Uh, so they were releasing multiple covers of their magazine, and in one of their magazines, they were complaining about the X-Men uh, re-release of like a special edition that it didn't really have that many special features. So I wrote this real short letter that was like, that's a pretty ironic thing to say or hypocritical or whatever from a magazine that puts out multiple covers just to sell more cover or er, magazines. And they printed it in the magazine to their credit. They did print my criticism of them as like a, you know, 15 year old boy. And then I got to say the experience of having my letter printed in there was really embarrassing because I think that you should have, if you want to write to a comic book, the sweet spot is like when you're a little kid and you just want to do that. Or if you're going to do it as an older kid or an adult, don't do it because you're complaining about something. That I don't even know if they do this anymore. I assume they do. I know some do. Um, you just look like an asshole. 
You look like a total unmitigated asshole, and it's just not necessary, right? So if anyone's listening to this and is going to write in, if you're a kid, I don't think you're supposed to listen to this because um, it's explicit or something. But, you know, fuck it. All I'm saying is don't write into comics. Full stop, period. Um, Because you'll feel like an asshole. You will. You'll regret it. All right, everybody. Well, that takes care of issue three. Thanks for joining us next time. Issue four. Uh, What surprises lay in store for us? You'll have to uh, listen next time and find out or, you know, just look it up on the internet. Whatever. 